Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 63. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzama, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Good day to you, Dr. Woolman. Beautiful day to you, Christina. How's life? <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. She's superb. I love that. Take flight <laughs> and orbit. <laughs> well, that's what we do each day. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. Dr. Glenn Wallman, I will be your host along with Christina as we take flight and go into another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy in search of optimal health. We're very fortunate to have Kathy Gruber with us again today. Uh, she was on a few weeks ago. I believe it was episode number 58. And we will be talking with her about many more things that we touched on in our last uh, episode. But before we do, why don't you tell all of our viewers how to get in touch with us, Christina? Thank you, Dr. Woolman. So at any time during this live presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. Now be sure to click submit so it will show up on my screen and I can share it with our guests. Uh, if you prefer to um, speak to our guests yourself, uh, you can dial into our conference line, and that is 323-476-3672. The ID is 607-393-POUND. And if that went by a little too fast for you, not to worry, it will show up during the show. There you go. Thank you, Glenn. And thank you. And I hope we get some uh, great uh, questions uh, today. For Kathy. As I said before, Kathy Gruber is a doctor of natural healing. She's an award-winning author. She has her own television show, an educator, public speaker, and so many more things. And I would like to get right into our show with Kathy and welcome you. Kathy, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Hello, Kathy. Hello. Great to have you back. Thank you. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was fun last time. And uh, again, as the medical guide, I would like to suggest to our audience the uh, path we're going to take today. Uh, we're going to focus a lot more on massage today. We're really going to get into what massage is, where are the benefits of massage. We want to talk about um, different types of massage, how to find a massage therapist. We'll talk about couples massage, a few other things as we go along the way. How's that sound to you, Kathy? Sounds good to me. Let's go. All right. There you go. But before we go on, I do want to tell our viewers that in order to get to know you, I really do suggest that you listen to episode 58, where we get to know Kathy on a personal level and a professional level. And we did a lot of mind, body, spirit work so that would be something that I think should add to this show. And speaking of the last show, one of the, uh, one of the viewers had a question. When you were speaking, I want to get this out of the way so we can move into our new show. Uh, when you were speaking the last time about differences between men and women receiving massage therapy, you brought up something about the men not wanting to go as often. And they had a number of reasons, and you gave a number of reasons. And one of the reasons was that men are worried about getting an erection. So the question that they had 
was, is there any medication or pill or something that you could do to prevent the erection so that you could have the massage? There isn't. Um, but they also have to realize that that is a natural response. And for massage therapists, this is, it's, we know it's a natural occurrence. We don't take offense to it. We don't get upset by it unless that's why you're there. And if you're showing up to a massage to make it a sexual experience, you're in the wrong place. Um, so, but if it's an accidental thing that just happens physiologically, we do not take any offense at that. We tend to, we're not even going to mention it. Um, so unless you bring attention to it, we're not going to worry about it either. So it's a natural thing and do not let that prevent you from getting a good therapeutic massage. Well, I think that's a pretty good answer. I hope that uh, satisfies the questioner. We actually do have uh, medications, speaking of that, in the emergency department when somebody uh, has an extended erection, as you hear on all the advertisements, if you have an erection that's lasting for more than four hours, please go see your doctor. We actually do have medications that we can hopefully try and remove that um, synthetic erection. Hmm. So... Oh, synthetic Let, erection? Did I just well, hear you correctly? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was using the word synthetic in the sense that if somebody, usually it's if someone takes a pill, so it's not I a see. natural. <laughs> I, was, I was using it in that sense, but you busted me on that. I, I was like, okay, wait a minute, did I just catch him there? <laughs> Although, so you take you know, a pill to remove the synthetic reaction. No, it's, so it's not really a pill. Synthetic on top of synthetic, huh? It's not actually a pill. We actually have to inject uh, medication through a needle into the um, member. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, so be very careful with us in synthetics is what you're saying. <clears throat> yes, I guess. And if we had a urologist or a plastic surgeon on, I guess they do have uh, uh, implements that they can insert into the penis, just like, um, you know, for women. That have prosthetic devices to for enlargement. Mm. There are prosthetic devices that can be inserted into the penis that will surgically that will allow for an erection. So I guess that could also be a synthetic erection. Mm. <clears throat> but I digress. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kathy, my first question for you is, I remember for a long time uh, when people talked about massage, it was usually with a masseuse, you know, and, and people went for, uh, you, you always saw the ancient Greeks, they would be getting massaged in the, um, you know, the senators would come into an area in the steam rooms and, and get massages. And it was always about a masseuse. And then suddenly it became a massage therapist. Is there a difference between a masseuse and a massage therapist? Well, it's sort of the, like the difference between a stewardess and a flight attendant. We're seeing a lot of changes in those very PC names. Um, I don't like being called a masseuse because, to me, that either indicates someone who's doing what we just talked about earlier, which was sex, um, or because I do medical massage— and I really try to make the differentiation between spa massage and medical massage. I prefer medical uh, massage therapist or medical massage therapist. It just gives you a better indication of what I'm actually doing on a daily basis. So I don't like the word masseuse just for myself personally. Uh, there was an article recently in the in Massage Magazine talking about 
who likes what terms better. And the word masseuse just, it, we just don't use it anymore. It's, you know, again, kind of like stewardess. Uh, no one says that anymore. So it's one of those things that's just changed over time with the vernacular of how we're describing these people. Uh, that makes sense to me. Uh, I like the way you put that. Uh, <clears throat> in terms of massage therapy, what, tell us some of the benefits of massage. Well, sure. It not only, I mean, obviously relaxes the muscle, it improves circulation, it helps move lymph through the body, and lymph is that um, liquid that is in our bodies that help move toxins through, um, and it doesn't have a pump like the heart and the blood, so you have to move lymph manually. And when we breathe, that happens, and when we exercise, that happens, uh, muscle contraction makes that happen. So massage is also a good way to get that lymph moving through the body so that we can cleanse ourselves. Um, it's also really great for headaches, uh, you know, post-accident, things like that. Um, it activates um, oxytocin production in the brain. And for any woman that's ever been in labor, you know the oxytocin is that substance that helps you go into labor um, and have that feel-good, that connection to the baby. It makes us feel fond of people. So it's one of those feel-good hormones in the brain that during massage is actually activated. So massage just makes us feel good, uh, and it makes us feel good towards others too. So it's one of those benefits that we, we don't even really think about is how it's going to allow us to connect to the people around us. And I do a lot of work with elderly people and they are not getting enough touching. You know, even if it's just a hand and foot massage or if you're working on their arms and legs, they're not getting that human contact that, that we all need, especially if they're in a, in a nursing home or a care facility. So I take such pleasure in going to some of these facilities and working on my older clients because I know they appreciate it so much and they really need it. So the, the benefits of massage are huge. And to me, that's one of the first stops if you're having pain. Um, many people run to their physician or their uh, orthopedic surgeon. And to me, so much of, of what ails them could be addressed from a muscular standpoint. So to me, that's one of the, the best first stops if you're experiencing pain to see if we can get rid of that for you. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you that question. When, at what point along the way is it the time that you go to your therapist? Most of the time, if I have a massage, it's because nothing's hurting and I want uh, just to feel good. I very rarely go if something is hurting uh, for some reason. And you're talking about that in a different way. So if, if somebody does, has a massage therapist like yourself, clearly that might be a way to make that happen going first. You start thinking immediately of your own personal massage therapist who you've gone to and you know very well and they know you very well. But what if a person does not have a massage therapist and they're hurting? How do they go about finding a massage therapist that they can trust to help them rather than possibly hurt them more? Yeah, the first thing I recommend is getting a referral. So if you already have an alternative practitioner like an acupuncturist, a chiropractor, uh, calling a friend who you know gets a lot of massage, we're seeing a lot of these sort of shopping center massage places pop up, and they can be fine. Um, but one of the downsides of that is you don't often know the therapist you're getting. You show up and whoever happens to be working that hour that isn't already in with a client, you get. Uh, you don't know their background. You don't know their training. Uh, because there's a huge turnover in those companies, oftentimes you're going to be working with a therapist that maybe just graduated uh, and doesn't have the type of knowledge that someone like myself, I've been doing this 22 years. I have had my hands on well over 15,000 people. I, I have a very good grasp of the medical. Um, there's a wonderful resource uh, through Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals 
A B M P A as an apple, B as in boy, M as in Mary, P as in Paul, uh, on their website called the Massage Finder, and you type in your zip code and how far you want to look, and then what modality you're looking for, and you can search for you know something like Swedish massage or medical massage, deep tissue, trigger point. We'll get into a lot of what those are later, um, and it helps you find a therapist. It tells you their phone number, their website. And you know if you're going through this system that they are not only licensed, but they also have insurance. And that's really important because if something would go wrong, you want to make sure that you're going to be protected. Um, and so, I, you know, especially if you're hurting, I really would encourage you to not just go to a place where you don't know who you're going to get. That, that can be dangerous. And I've done some expert witness work where I've done three or four cases where people have gotten injured from massage therapists that don't know what they're doing. Uh, they get a little too enthusiastic with stretching or they go too deep. There was one who was burned by hot stones. Um, you really want to know who you're going to, especially if you're in pain, especially if you're having medical issues. You know, if you're in an airport and you just feel like relaxing, great, go get the 15-minute chair massage. But if you've got a car accident, uh, frozen shoulder, sciatica, stiff neck, knee, hip issues, you really want to make sure you're going to somebody who knows how to handle those things, or you could walk out of there worse than you came in. Yeah, I would say also if go to your medical guide. <laughs> and find my first it. stop. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. Find your therapist. I I think that this is a good time to start talking about um, the different different types of massage therapy. You know, if you look at a lot of these advertisements where they say come to this spa for, and they list fifteen types of massages. What's the plural of massage? Massage I or? <laughs> I don't know. I'll think about that one. <laughs> yeah. So please let's talk about the many different types of massages and. What might be a benefit of them? And, you know, something else I would like to have you do, Kathy, I would like you to, and I know you could do this, take two roles right now. As we go through some of the questions, speak to us first as a person that's looking for a therapist, and then sometimes speak to us as the therapist giving advice on the type of therapy also. So let's talk about some of the different types of massages. Give us a list and talk about each one for a moment or two. Yeah, the, the very basic massage, uh, and they're actually thinking about changing the name to basic massage instead of Swedish massage, um, is very light touch. It feels good. It addresses the, the top layer of muscle, so it's not going to get very deep. This is what we've all been trained in. This is what the basic massage program is. And it is just that feel-good massage. It involves a lot of oil, a lot of lotion. Uh, to me, you walk out sleepy and slimy, and there's not much other benefit to it. Um, it's relaxing, but because it's not getting to the deeper muscles, it's not as beneficial if you're having pain or if you're having a, a medical issue that you want to have addressed. If you want to go a little bit further, then deep tissue is the next common modality, and that's basically what I work in. I work in deep tissue. And trigger point, which I'll get to in a second, um, deep tissue goes to those deeper layers of muscle. So it's going to get through that top layer into the, the, the deeper levels, and it's going to help get that pain to go away. Uh, it is known to be a little bit more painful, but I will tell you, deep tissue does not have to hurt. It depends on the practitioner. And please, please, please check in with your practitioner, whoever's working on you. If something doesn't feel right, you have to absolutely tell us, especially if you're having pain. 
if they wrench your shoulder up behind your back and they're trying to get under your shoulder blade and that doesn't feel good to you, tell them. If it's too deep, let them know. You should not walk out of there feeling completely beat up. Um, I had one client who came in. She said, yeah, I know you do deep tissue. I don't like deep tissue. It hurts. I don't want you to do that to me. And I said, okay. So we're going through the massage, and I kept checking in, as a good therapist should, saying, is this pressure okay? Does that feel all right? Does anything need to change? She loved it. Uh, We get done with the massage. She walks out. I said, how are you feeling? She said, I feel fabulous. And I said, you just got deep tissue. (laughs) She had no clue because everybody does this differently. Just like every restaurant you go to is going to make a different steak. It's going to have different seasoning. It's going to taste differently. It's going to be a different texture. It's the same thing with massage. Different practitioners work different ways. So just because you don't like Joe's deep tissue doesn't mean you're not going to like Martha's deep tissue. Try different practitioners. And if they don't listen to you, if you say that's too deep and they give you the attitude of, well, that's too bad. This is what you need you need to find a new therapist. Um, I have heard horror stories of people telling the therapist it's too deep and the therapist convincing them, no, this is what you need. That's, that's not right. We, we're here for you. Um, so it's very important that you communicate what your needs are to the therapist. I cannot emphasize that enough. So deep tissue also tends to use, um, not just the palm of the hand, but things like, uh, the flat of the fist, the knuckles, elbows. I use a lot of elbows in my practice because it helps us get to the deeper level. And it's just, it's better for our bodies. Um, using too much thumb can really, really shorten your massage career. Um, trigger point is another type of massage. It's very similar to deep tissue, but trigger points are parts of the muscle where a number of the muscle fibers have gone into spasm. So not the whole muscle, just a segment of that muscle. And we can actually feel that under the skin. It feels like a piece of undercooked pasta under the skin. And it oftentimes gives a twitch response. So you can either feel it twitching right under your finger or you see it twitching further down the muscle. And these trigger points are totally mappable. And this is what's so neat is they go in patterns. So you might have pain here and it might actually be coming from someplace down the back under the shoulder blade. It refers pain in patterns. So to me, it's sort of like an Easter egg hunt. If I can find that trigger point and get rid of it, then that whole pain area is going to subside. Love working with trigger point work. Um, so the deep tissue trigger point tend to go hand in hand. And then you get into the spa techniques. Um, tie massage is done on the floor, on mats. Uh, you're fully dressed. Same thing uh, with shiatsu. It's done on the floor, on mats, fully dressed. If you show up to a shiatsu massage and you take off all your clothes and lay down, you're going to really shock your practitioner. So <laughs> don't do that. Um, and then also hot stone massage is really popular. I'm not a big fan for numerous reasons. Uh, I think one of the reasons we want the massage is we want that hands on. We want to feel the practitioner's hands on the skin. We as practitioners want to feel the tissue beneath our hands. It's a healthier way to do it. Um, I have heard of people getting burned by stones. I worked on a court case where someone got burned by stones. If you're working with a therapist that's inexperienced, they can hit areas of the body that they shouldn't be pushing on because they can't feel the tissue. Uh, The stone could be too warm. Um, I I just don't see the extra benefit of putting a stone in your hand that's 140 degrees and risking burning somebody or hitting an area you shouldn't because you can't feel the tissue. Um, Just my preference, if it's something that you like or if it's a practice that you do, that's great. Just be careful. Um, But for me personally, I, I don't see any extra benefit for it. Oh, that was a good uh, tour. Uh, are you familiar with Tui Na? 
I am, yes. I've not done it. Um, that is, they do a lot with the scraping, right? Is that the, they use the tool that they scrape a little bit to bring blood to the area? That's partly that, but it's mm-hmm. also a method. Uh, one of our, in one of our episodes, Chow Pang, who is uh, a Tai Chi master, also does Tuina. And they go very softly. They almost go layer by layer. Mm-hmm. And they do it in a way, and of course, I don't understand this on the level that he does and the other massage therapists do, but it just seems like their way of approaching the uh, deeper muscle is to kind of relax everything layer by layer so that by the time you get to the deeper muscle as a therapist, um, the muscles are more relaxed rather than being in a fear state. So I was just curious about that. I also, once I had an an experience with uh, a hot bamboo massage where the practitioner also used hands, but they used different uh, thicknesses of bamboo and they used the bamboo almost like a cookie dough roller, rolling tissue and special bamboo around each type of a joint, very small bamboo around the finger joints, things like that. It was a very pleasant experience for me. Um, so any other types of massage that we should know about? Oh, there are dozens of types. In fact, if you, I mean, you can search online and find just lists of massage. The most common ones though, are you're going to see in spas and, you know, of menus of services that are offered is the, the Swedish massage, which is again, the most basic deep tissue trigger point. Um, sports massage is a catch-all term for, it usually encompasses deep tissue, but you can do sports massage either pre-event or post-event, and it's about flushing blood and moving the fluid out of the area if you've just, say, run a marathon or done a triathlon. There's a lot of shaking of muscle to help move everything through, uh, a lot of stretching. Uh, You know, we really try to, if you're a good therapist, you really try to base what you're doing with the client as to what they need. So it's very important, again, that communication about the listening and the talking and the asking questions. Uh, I've had people uh, who are on my table, and I really check in a lot with the pressure because that's the most important thing to me. How's that pressure feeling? Oh, that's fine. Do you need a little bit deeper? No, 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 that's good. And I had one woman get through her entire massage assuring me the entire time the pressure was okay. And then I get to the end. She gets dressed. She comes out. I say, how are you feeling? And she goes, well, you know, it could have been deeper. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't help that now. Um, you know, and my frustration with that is I gave her numerous opportunities to tell me she needed a deeper massage. And then what happens is she walks out of my office and somebody says, oh, how was Kathy's massage? And she goes, "Yeah, it wasn't deep enough. Well, right. that doesn't look good to me, uh, you know, and, and, you know, word of mouth and how we are viewed with our reputation is, is incredibly important, especially in this industry. So if you need something, please ask for it. And uh, again, especially if you're being hurt or if the pressure's too much, you have to let us know. But yeah, I mean, the, the main massages, you know, in the spas, you're going to get um, the shiatsu, which is again on a mat. Reiki is oftentimes put on menus. It's not really massage. It's a body, mind, spirit, hands-on healing which is, again, typically done fully dressed, and it's just a laying on of hands, or the hands can be a couple inches above the body. So it's not really massage, but it's oftentimes done at spas and in massage uh, offices. I'm a Reiki master, so I do uh, Reiki as well. And then rolfing is something that, again, people think it's a massage. It's not really uh, 
Rolfing is done in a series of 10, and typically what they do is they separate it out by body part. So the first session might be all shoulder work, and the second session might be all hip and pelvis work, and the third section might be all lower leg work. And they really work to integrate the entire body. They do a lot of work in the joints and on the connective tissue. Usually, um, well, not usually, but oftentimes there's an emotional release. So you might find that you're holding you know, pain or an emotional pain in the shoulder. And when they're working on that, you might feel that emotion be released. It's a totally natural reaction. Um, so rolfing is not really massage, but people lump it in with that. So, Yeah, I would say it's, it's uh, that's pretty intense, rolfing. Uh, when we had a, a, a talk by Ida Rolf at one point and oh, watching wow. some of the work that she has done, I recently had a massage where I was lying on the floor in a prone position, and the the therapist almost put me into what I considered a yoga banana position. <laughs> my my head and my feet went off off the floor, and my pelvis was still on the floor. It was, and I had to do exactly what you said at that moment. I had to say something. So I want to talk about that for a few moments. And I think that's an important part when you do find your therapist. Uh, does a therapist take a history and do a physical examination? Uh, what happens at the beginning and what should, what should, you've already alluded to some of it, but what other conversations should be had? Should you be talking about, uh, I've had this surgery here, uh, I have my fibromyalgia, one of those kind of things. What are the kind of things that you should bring to the therapist? Yes, definitely. Um, there are certain things we absolutely need to know. And because I'm in private practice, most people tell me that on the phone before we even make an appointment. They will say, mm. you know, I'm dealing with fibromyalgia. Is this something you've had experience with? Because people aren't coming to me to just relax and feel good. They really want to have work done. So depending on what kind of therapist you're seeking out, you're going to have a different conversation. If you're going to your local um, you know, generic big box massage place, they will, or spa, they will have you do an intake form. And they do want to know any past surgeries. They want to know any allergies because sometimes the lotion or the cream might have a component in it. We need to know if you're allergic to, um, if you're pregnant, you really need to let people know that. Um, if you, um, have cancer, you really, really, really want to let the person know. Oftentimes, depending on what stage of cancer and the type of cancer, it is contraindicated to have massage, meaning you should not have it. Like I said earlier, massage moves lymph. Lymph can transport cancer cells. And the last thing you want to do is think you're getting a relaxing massage and actually spreading cancer through your body. So you want to be really, really open about telling the practitioner if you have any issues. Um, if you have any diseases, you want to let us know that too. If you are um, dealing with HIV or... Um, uh, ah, I can't think of the word. Uh, the other blood disease, the liver. Um, Help me hepatitis. Out, hepatitis. You, hepatitis. <laughs> I'm like right. HPV. No, that's not it. Hepatitis. <laughs> um, and also, this one is going to sound weird, but it's going to help us as a therapist. If you have genital herpes, those oftentimes have breakouts on the glutes and the upper thigh. That's a place we're going to be massaging. So if you are having a herpes outbreak, please, please let us know. If you don't want to be open enough to say I'm having a herpes outbreak, take those little round band-aids. 
put it over the outbreak and say, you know, I'm having a little bit of a breakout, just avoid that area. Because that can be transferred to us. So in order to protect your massage therapist, please, please, please let us know if you're dealing with that type of outbreak. And then again, for your own safety, if you do have cancer or something uh, that you're dealing with in that. Um, also, if you have a, a, an open wound, if you have a big cut, if you just had uh, skin cancer removed, if you've got a large bruise, let us know. Uh, we don't stand there and inspect your body before you get on the table. So if you have something say on your shin and you're in the face down position, we might grab the shin to bend the leg to work on your calf a little bit. The last thing we want to do is grab the bruise of you hitting the bed from the day before. So if you have something like that, that's going to be extra sensitive, let us know. Um, I tend to do I don't do a paper intake unless I'm specifically billing for insurance, but I do want to know any issues you're having, especially shoulder issues, neck issues, low back problems. Uh, there's a lot of people with disc issues or low back problems that cannot comfortably lay on their stomach. We have you laying on your stomach for pretty much, depending on the massage, for a good 40 minutes. If that's an uncomfortable position for you, if it stiffens up, if you feel like you need to arch your back the other direction, if it puts you into spasm, let us know. And tell us to put a pillow under your hips. <clears throat> that takes the curve out of the spine, especially because we're now going to be pushing with downward pressure too. So have us put a pillow under there or a bolster or a rolled up towel. We want you to be comfortable. And again, the last thing we want to do is hurt you more than you're coming and hurting. Um, so make sure you're communicating those things to us. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, also let us know if there's something you don't like during massage. Uh, I ask new clients that, uh, you know, I'll say, what, you know, what did your last massage therapist do that you really enjoyed? Is there something you don't want massaged? Some people cannot stand to have their scalp rubbed. They don't want the oil on their hair or they're really ticklish and they don't want to have their feet done. Um, I had a massage therapist once stick his greasy fingers directly in both my ears and squish them around. It was the most disgusting thing to me. I don't know why he did it. I don't know what the point was, but I can't stand it. So now if I go to a new massage practitioner, I say, please do not stick your fingers in my ears. <laughs> and they, want, they wonder why I'm telling them that because that's not a common thing. But you know, if there's something you really don't like, please let us know because you don't know what our routine is. And I might end by sticking my fingers in your ears. You don't want that? Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kathy, uh comment came in about Rolfing. Huh? Uh, my sister had Rolfing for knee injury that she was supposed to get surgery on, but was fine after the sessions. She said she cried and laughed a lot throughout the sessions. That was the comment. Excellent. And uh, this is a good one. I love it. We all here need this one. Uh, can you go to a massage therapi uh, therapist for a wrist that has spent too much time on the computer mouse? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, and again, I think, I, I feel very strongly, and I know it's part of it just because of the modality that I do. Uh, and of course, you know, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. But I really do encourage you, if you're having any issues like that, go to a massage therapist that knows what they're doing. Um, I started out my, my massage career here in Santa Barbara working for a physical therapy office. And I saw a lot of people who probably would have been headed for either carpal tunnel surgery or cortisone shots or shoulder surgery, knee surgery sometimes, who had enough healing through massage that they did not need the surgery. Um, 
sometimes things are really overdiagnosed. I hear a lot of people ask me if I can help their arthritis or their bursitis. And I see a lot of um, medical professionals who, if you're over 40 and you say you have joint pain, they automatically say you have arthritis. And maybe you do. Uh, But if you come to me for a massage and your joint stops hurting, I can't help your arthritis. I can't stop your bursitis. I'm working with soft tissue only. So if whatever is ailing you is fixed with massage, keep doing it. Um, I had a a client who was training for her first marathon. She finished. She did great. Um, But she was having knee pain. And she started to get really worried about, oh, geez, can I not run anymore? And I said, you know, sometimes a really, really tight quadricep, which is the muscle, the muscles in the front of the leg, I said, if those get tight, just like a clothesline, if you tighten, it's going to pull on either side of the wall and eventually come out. Same thing with the muscles. If the muscles tighten up, they're going to pull on their attachments, which are the joints. So I did incredibly deep massage on her legs. It was a little painful, but she could handle it. It wasn't too much for her. And her knees stopped hurting. And she went through the entire marathon. And with a combination of the massage I was doing and seeing a chiropractor to make sure her pelvis was even and her low back was in the right place, she got through the marathon with no knee pain at all. And she was starting to get worried she was going to need surgery. I'm glad we have surgery. I am not saying let's not get surgery. I'm saying let's see if there's other things that can handle it first. And I've actually had a lot of luck with clients with either elbow pain or wrist pain doing deep massage on the forearm and showing them some stretches and making the workstation better, doing some ice that has has kept people out of the surgeon out of the surgeon's office. Ooh, thank you for that. That's wonderful. Um, Kathy, when you work, uh, I'm sure you work with acupuncturists. You've already mentioned chiropractors and other therapists and physicians, of course. Is there sometimes a, a, a better timing than another for an order? Should you see your acupuncturist before the massage or should you see the acupuncturist after the massage and vice versa with each of the other uh, modalities? That's a really good question. Uh, People ask me that all the time. Not so much with the acupuncturist thing. Um, I don't know that I've ever had anybody ask me that. That tends to be, you know, they'll see the acupuncturist on Tuesday. They'll see me on Friday. Because those aren't two modalities that you typically consider doing simultaneously. Um, There are some acupuncturists that do a little bit of massage in their practice. Um, I don't know what order they use. Um, But I also, I do have a lot of clients that see me and a chiropractor. And... To different people have different opinions. To me, it makes sense to do the massage first. It loosens up the muscle, and then that way when you go to the chiropractor, the adjustments are easier, the bones are going to move better, and the adjustment's going to hold better. Now, but on the flip side of that, if you do the adjustment and then you come to me, I'm going to massage the muscle with the bones in place, and then they're going to hold better that way too. So, you know, just do it. Do it all. Just do it. I don't care what order it is. Um, take advantage of those natural health practitioners that we have around us. And again, explore different ones. Um, there are times where I know I need a chiropractic adjustment. And could I get a massage? Would it feel good? Yeah but I know it's not going to solve my problem. There are times I really want to head to my acupuncturist because I know she's going to give me something that either the massage and the chiropractor isn't. So, uh, you know, have a buffet of options and listen to your body. Get to know your body and know what you're going to need when. 
and then take advantage of that as opposed to going to uh, just your regular medical doctor and going, I don't know, I don't feel good. Um, we need to know how to describe our bodies when they're feeling good and when they're not feeling good so that the practitioners we go to, whether it's myself or a medical doctor or an osteopath or a surgeon, we have to be able to communicate with them what's happening so that they can help us the best. So get to know your body and get to know practitioners in your area to see who's going to be the best relationship relationship for you at that moment. That's great advice. Have you ever uh, had somebody come to you with a problem and you decided uh, based on your own knowledge that you shouldn't work on, on them at that point and suggested that they see a physician or a therapist or a chiropractor or someone else and massage would not be appropriate at that moment? Yes, um, for various reasons. I had one woman who showed up on so many pain meds, I didn't feel it was safe to do the massage on her for both our perspectives. Um, because I, again, I'm relying on that feedback. And I started working on the massage, and I didn't realize to the extent that she was drugged up. <laughs> and um, I was working on her, working on her, and I went to move the sheet, and my fingernail scratched her a little bit. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to scratch you. And she said, oh, did you do something? Hmm. And she couldn't even feel, and I didn't scratch her hard, but she couldn't even feel that my fingernail had scraped her back as it went by. And I thought, wow, how many meds is she on? Um, and then we started to discuss that. And it turned out she was on some major heavy duty pain meds. And her sister who had sent her to me in hopes of getting her off the pain meds hmm. said, you have to keep seeing her. And I said, that's not safe. It's not safe for me. It's not safe for her. Um, so I sent her away. I would not see her again. Now, whether another therapist saw her, I don't know. I can't make that estimation. But um, I also had, I was doing um, massage at a gym, at a fitness facility here in town. And people were just, you know, coming by in and after their workout. And this guy got on the table and he was incredibly crooked. I mean, his legs were probably two or three inches off. He didn't have scoliosis. His back was in such spasm. I put him on a table. I checked the levels. He was completely out of whack. And I literally barely put my hands on him. He broke out into a cold sweat and expressed that he was in tremendous amounts of pain. Well, I immediately knew he had a disc problem. I mean, I think he had a serious disc herniation. And I took my hands off him and I said, you need to get up now. I cannot massage you. I do not want you getting massage from anybody else because he was going to head to one of the student clinics the next day for a massage. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, you need to get to a doctor. Seriously, I'm not messing around. And he said, oh, I don't want to go to a doctor. And I said, well, you might not, but I'm telling you, you have a serious problem in your back. I'm not a doctor. I don't diagnose. I don't prescribe, but I'm looking at you and seeing you've got something majorly wrong. You need to get to a doctor. He's going to want to do surgery. It's okay. Well, you might need surgery. I mean, this kid was a mess. I mean, he really was in bad shape. And I said, okay, why don't you at least do this? I said, I have a chiropractor who is really good at dealing with discs. He can help diagnose what's going on. I said, you've got to get to somebody and please promise me you are not going to get a massage tomorrow. And he promised me that. And he took the card that I put the chiropractor's name and number on and he disappeared. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he got surgery. I don't know if he went to the chiropractor. I don't know if he went to the massage clinic. But I, he, was, he was really in need of critical care at that point. I don't know how he was walking upright. I don't know how he had just gotten through a workout. He had some serious problems. <laughs> and, and I'm hoping he dealt with those because, you know, I, I'm not ego-driven enough that I'm going to plow through something that I feel is wrong. Um, 
I've sent people to endocrinologists because I can just tell their thyroid is off. I've sent people to chiropractors because they have a rib out or their neck is out and I can't help them. I've literally gotten people off my table and sent them down the street to one of the chiropractors I work with. Um, I want to do what's best for the person laying on my table or who is sitting in my office for a consult. And if it's not me, I'm going to send you to someone that I think can help. Um, that's just that's just the way I do it. Uh, you know, I'm not here to take someone's money if I'm not helping them or if it's dangerous for someone. Excellent. When I had uh, the integrative program at our local hospital, we did a lot of massage. I worked with Tiffany Field. I don't know if you know her out of uh, University of Miami. She started the Touch Research Institute. Her uh-huh. and Deborah Bindell at UCLA. And we talked about couples massage, of especially with the uh, pregnant couple, where that was part of their therapy. And then starting massage on the newborn, the instant it was born. We were doing that in our hospital. So there were a lot of benefits to this. So I'd like to move now into the, the discussion of couples massage uh-huh. and also newborn massage and your thoughts on both of those. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. Massage can be expensive. Um, I'm charging $90 an hour and I'm actually kind of on the low end here in Santa Barbara. Uh, so for people who want to get regular massage, I mean, it's incredibly beneficial. I don't look at it as a treat to me. It is maintenance or it is therapy. Uh, To me, it's not this, you know, this thing you treat yourself to when you're on vacation, it should be a part of your health life. Um, but for people who can't afford that, uh, because again, that is expensive and it's time consuming to take time away from work or from your weekend or from your spouse. So one of the best things you can do is learn the basics of how to do massage yourself and then work on your spouse, work on your partner. Um, I used to teach couples massage classes and I would get six or seven couples in a room. I owned more massage tables than I knew what to do with. Um, but I would teach them the basics and the safety of it. Because again, you can hurt someone doing massage and you, you can hurt yourself too. I've seen people hurt thumbs, get wrist tendonitis, elbow problems, shoulder issues from doing massage incorrectly. And I did a, I did a great program. It was a four-hour class where I taught all these couples to do massage. And at the end, this gentleman comes up to me and says, that was so good. I'm afraid I'm going to forget what you said. Do you have this on a DVD? And I suddenly thought, oh, geez, I should have put that on a DVD. <laughs> So I put it on a DVD. Um, I do have a DVD. Therapeutic Massage at Home. Learn to rub people the right way. Uh, It's available on my website, which we'll talk about later. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you have to know just basic anatomy. Um, Learning hand positions so that you can do something other than just thumbs is incredibly important. And again, one of the joys of couples massage is you're not only making your spouse and your partner feel good. And don't we all want to do that? We all want to be able to give that joy to our partner. It's also a great time to practice that communication because if you're embarrassed to say to your partner, eh, that's a little too light, can you go harder and can you move to the left and can you move to the right? If you don't have open enough communication that you can express that during a simple massage, how is that translating to the rest of your relationship? So to me, I have seen people who find a way to have that open communication during a back rub and then they find a way to translate that into whether it's the bedroom and their sex life or dealing with the kids or dealing with the money or lifetime goals and things that you really want the other person to participate in with you. Um, so it's a great way to open up that communication and help them therapeutically and make them feel good. So I'm a huge fan of couples massage. Um, even if you just sit in front of them, you know, 
on the floor in front of the couch during a movie and they rub your neck a little bit or your feet. Um, that human contact and that connection is incredibly important. And I agree also with the infant massage. And there's um, a couple of massage studies. I haven't read these in a long time, so I probably don't remember the exact facts, but it was talking about preterm infants gained weight quicker um, with the massage as opposed to the infants that weren't getting the massage. Um, it helps them with colic. It helps them with digestive issues. If they're having constipation or diarrhea, the massage can help. And it just feels good. It, it gets their sensors working. You know, they're just a sensory being when they come out of the womb. Um, so to give them that gift of working on their little bodies with maybe some lavender oil or something that's going to be soothing for them. Maybe it's uh, part of the ritual you put in for bath time. And I've had a couple moms who were really, really um, disappointed that they had to stop breastfeeding because that was their time. That was their connection. That was the ritual that they had with the baby. But it's time to wean the child. And I've suggested, well, you know, why don't you just make it a different ritual? Why don't you make it infant massage? And I've taught them how to do just some really simple strokes on the baby. And so that way they don't feel like they're losing that time. They can still have that intimate connection with the child, but it doesn't have to be breastfeeding. Um, so infant massage is fabulous and it's really easy to do. You're probably not going to hurt yourself. There's just this teeny little body. So um, it's a huge benefit, I think, for not only, again, the human connection, but also for the health of the child. Uh, you said so many great things there. I was thinking as you were speaking that uh, we recently had Anne Diamond, uh, marriage and family therapist. Uh, mm -hmm. be great to have the two of you on talking about the benefits. And that was great with the communication and the massage. Mm -hmm. When we were working with the babies, the newborns, we also did things like cortisol levels. And we saw vital signs seemed a lot better. Cortisol was lower and they did a lot better. So, and it is a good way to begin a communication with your child and keep that going for a long time. You also get to know the child's body. And uh, if you feel something wrong, you may feel it much sooner than waiting for the child to learn how to speak to complain of something. So that's another reason maybe even to consider that. Do, do people that are going to do massage need equipment? Do they need to get a good massage table and all of the accoutrements? that go along with it? Yes, it is a requirement that you have a tinkling fountain and really soft music um, <laughs> and low lighting. And yeah, no, there's all these. It's actually funny because I, I've said to so many people, you know, I don't do fluffy foo-foo massage. I don't do woo-woo stuff. And for the longest time I had an ad running. It was this big white fluffy cat with a no symbol through it, like the no smoking symbol. <laughs> and it said, healing circle massage, we don't do fluffy. <laughs> which everybody loved. And this gentleman comes for the massage and he said, you know, I just had to meet whoever came up with that ad. And he walks into my massage room and I've got a huge display of crystals because I use crystals when I do Reiki. And I had the soft music and I had the low lighting and I asked him if he wanted lavender oil and he goes, okay, wait a minute. You said you didn't do fluffy. And I said, no, no, just wait. <laughs> um, and you know, that music is sort of expected. I, uh, here's the big, here's the big Kathy secret. I don't like that music. It drives oh, me crazy. No. And I hear it all week long. I've had so many people say, do you like this music? No, not so much. Um, but, you know, playing Nine Inch Nails isn't going to be as relaxing for you during your massage. So I play the, the <laughs> relaxing music. And, I mean, you do want to set a mood. And even if you're doing deep tissue or therapeutic work, you know, you don't want to be in a loud environment with trucks rolling by and dogs barking and really bright lights. You do want to set the mood and help make it relaxing. So make sure you get a really good massage table. And one of the biggest mistakes I see new therapists make is they get the cheapest one they can possibly find, which tends to be incredibly heavy wood. 
Now, that's great if you're parking it in your office and you're never moving it. But then you get that out call and you have to go up three flights of stairs and you're carrying a table that weighs 45 pounds. If you're going to be doing out call, get the lightest table you can and get a good carrying case. Because if you're trying to carry it with just the two handles or sometimes a one handle that's on the (laughs) massage table, you're going to end up needing your own services. So spend the extra money, get the lightest (laughs) table you can. Believe me, you will thank me later. Um, and, you know, again, the, the big wooden table is fine if you're just going to be in an office. I have a wood table in my office. I have an aluminum table in my car. I've got tables all over town. Um, and then also, <laughs> that's really beneficial is make sure you get a headrest that adjusts. Some headrests are just static pieces of wood and they don't move at all. Or the worst thing is there's some tables that have this creepy hole cut in them and you just stick your face in the table. That is incredibly uncomfortable. It's really bad for their neck. Uh, they're not going to like it. So don't opt for one of those tables. Or if you do, make sure you can put a, a headrest on the end of it. It's going to be more comfortable for you. And if you want a massage table for home, I mean, if you do either want a therapist to come to you, sometimes they charge less if you have your own table. Um, and if, or if you want to do massage on your spouse, head to Costco or look on Craigslist or, you know, there are a lot of places you can get either a used table or just a basic table that's going to be good enough for your home for you to work on your husband. Um, but yeah, the table is, is so beneficial as opposed to trying to do it on the floor or the bed. It's going to save your body quite a bit. Mm. What about lotions or oils, uh, things like that? So yeah. that would, do you do it based on what you would like in your ear? Yeah, right. Yeah, the squisher, the better, and that sound sound was good. Now, um, there's a couple different lotions that I use. I don't like using oil itself because it tends to stain your sheets. If you up-dump it, you've just made a mess. Um, There's a really great cream called Biotone, which I like. Um, It's not as good for people with hairy legs, though, because it tends to get sort of foamy. So it doesn't provide the kind of glide if you're working on a guy that has either hairy arms or legs. Um, And then there's a really, really great massage cream actually made by a gentleman here in San Barbara called Santa Barbara Massage Cream. It's an oil-based cream. So what's great about that is you can turn the tub upside down and it doesn't spill, but it yet it gives you this great glide of using an olive oil-based product. It's all natural. It's all organic. Uh, really good stuff. Don't just use hand cream. It tends to dry really fast, and then you spend the entire massage with the, the thing trying to get more cream on someone. So use a professional massage cream uh, or a massage oil or lotion, whatever you decide you like. Um, someone had posted on a site the other day, um, can anyone tell me ways to get the oil stains out of my sheets? They're starting to smell <laughs> rancid and they're starting to do this. And I wrote in and I said, forget the laundry, get new oil. I mean, if the oil is so bad that it's turning your sheets rancid and you're having to throw out your sheets every two weeks, you need new lotion. <laughs> you know? So it's not a laundry detergent issue, it's a lotion issue. So try what works for you. Some people don't like the feeling of slimy. It feels too viscous to them. You know, if you have a lotion you like, bring it with you. I've had people do that where they want to use shea butter or they want to use coconut oil and they bring it with them and say, could you please use this? Or they'll hand me a CD and say, you know, I really like this chanting. Can you play this kind of thing? Um, We're here for you. So anything we can do to help you enjoy the experience, we'll do that for you if we can. Mm, Lovely. Um, a question did come in, Kathy. It's uh, concerning newborns. Uh-huh. Um, I've heard about cranial adjustments for newborns. Is that safe? I have had clients take their brand new baby to a chiropractor 
And I have also had clients who have taken the baby for craniosacral massage, which is you hold points on the skull and you hold points on the sacrum. Um, I don't know, <laughs> frankly. I mean, I don't really have an answer for that. I have read that it's safe. Um, and the fact that I know chiropractors who do adjust newborns or infants, um, I'm hoping they wouldn't be doing it if, it if it wasn't safe, but I don't have firsthand knowledge enough to tell you that. Um, I know there are cranial sacral things that you can do to help adjust the bones in the head, but I, my understanding, and Glenn would know better than me on this, aren't they still moving? I mean, because we have the soft spot and the, the skull is still in a mobile state at that point. There are a few soft spots in the uh, skull toward the brain, and also the, the different pieces of the skull are not totally fused yet. So a lot of movement can happen. And I think that if you are going to consider something like this, my first thought would be to discuss it with your pediatrician. That would be the first thing I would suggest. And then to reiterate something that you brought up at the near the very beginning was this is the time when you really want to know your therapist. You certainly want don't want to get the craniosacral therapy in the airport. <laughs> something forbid. like that i i would be i would be very careful about that you know it is done i've seen it done uh and i've seen some benefits but i've also seen some uh not such good things happen so i would be very careful about that at this point yeah that's a great question mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it was a good question Kathy, we talked, uh, I still want more things from you. I have many more questions to ask you, but I want to make sure that as we're speaking with Kathy Gruber, our uh, massage therapist, our Reiki master, our author, and doctor of natural healing, I want to make sure that you have another health tip for our viewers. So this would be the time to give us a health tip, Kathy. Hmm, I have so many. Oh, let's see. Um, I know, everything you say seems to be a health tip. <laughs> I was like, what, did we just do an hour of health tips? <laughs> um, here, here's the health tip for today, um, because I've been dealing with this a lot in my own life. Find a way to play. Uh, we all work so hard and we're so focused on so many external things, whether it's the IRS audit or the promotion at work or publishing the next book or running the kids to soccer practice. We have to make sure that we are playing ourselves. Um, and I have really started to try to take more time in my own life to play. I'm very type A and I'm very driven. And anybody that knows me is going, oh, yeah. Um, but we have to take out that time to play because that is boosting those feel-good hormones in our brain. It is getting us back in touch with nature and the earth and that free um, freeness that we had as a kid. Uh, there were kids at my dance class the other night, and they were running back and forth across the parking lot and just giggling uncontrollably. And then they were swinging on the pole and giggling uncontrollably. And I turned to my dance instructor and said, do you remember when life was so simple that spinning on a pole brought us to such peals of laughter? And he smiled his big smile and he said, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? These simple things that kids do every moment to have fun and to make themselves laugh, we don't do that anymore. And I really think that's lacking. And I think we'd have such better health if we just learned to play again. We should all, <laughs> that's a great health tip. I'm thinking of installing a pole in my house. <laughs> There's different ways to swing on that pole. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. lend you my son for a weekend, and you just do whatever he does. <laughs> yeah, 
That's a great idea. <laughs> Kathy, I want to ask you another question. Uh, in terms of receiving the massage, many times uh, we talk about how, what, kind, what should the person who is receiving the massage do in terms of, say, breathing or relaxation or meditation or anything else as the massage is going on? Are there things we should be doing that will facilitate your work? It depends on the person. Some people walk in my office and they want to talk for the entire hour. And in some way, that's healing for them. They either want to hear what my next project is or my trapeze uh, excursion down to L.A. or they want to talk about some problems they're having. Um, I'm not a therapist in that regard. But if somebody is having a struggle or an issue that they want to share just because they need to talk about it, I'm totally open to that. If you want to laugh, if you want to burst into tears, whatever it is, I say go for it. Um, some people like to remain quiet through their massage because they're either taking that time to really get in touch with their bodies. And I have had people say to me that as I'm massaging them, they're visualizing that part of their body and they're asking it to relax. They're asking it to release. They're trying to feel what might be holding that tension or from an emotional perspective, what might be causing that. Um, some people show up and sleep. <laughs> it's totally okay too. Uh, I don't know how they sleep through my massage, but you know, they do. Um, I've had some people want to play a meditation tape. During the massage, uh, I have had some people say, can you please tell me what you're feeling or if you're getting any um, hit from like, an emotional, spiritual perspective, if you're getting any ideas of what might be happening there, can you share that with me? You just want to go wherever your body and your mind tells you to. I, I don't think there's one right way to do anything. Um, but keeping breathing, uh, you know, especially if we're doing deeper work, you don't want to hold your breath. You don't want to tighten your entire body up. If that's happening, it's too deep for you. If you have to hold the whole rest of your body stiff, it's too much pressure. You want to make sure that you can stay, keep your rest of your body relaxed and breathe through it. Um, so it just depends on the experience you want to have. Um, I have one woman who we talk for the first 20 minutes. We catch up. She asks about my husband. I ask about her husband or kids. She talks about what's happening at work. And then she says, okay, I'm going to be quiet now. Um, if you have a therapist that doesn't seem to want to shut up, you have every right to say, you know, I'd like to just be quiet now. Um, one of the downsides I have is every, pretty much everyone in town knows who I am as far as a massage perspective. So if I go to a new therapist for massage, they want to talk about business. They want to talk about how I built up my practice. They want to talk about my training. They want to talk. I don't want to talk about work. I talk about work all day. I want to just lay there and be quiet and not talk about work. Um, so I will actually give them a fake name. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want people to find out who I am to get all these questions. Uh, but there have been a couple therapists where I finally had to say, gosh, you know what? If you want to ask me about business, let's make time to go to coffee. This is really my time to get introspective and think, and I'm, I'm not interested in talking anymore. Um, and I had one gentleman who said, okay, but then kept talking. And I never, he was a great massage therapist. I never went back to him. He didn't give me the experience I needed at that time. Um, so, you know, if you have, again, if you have a need, let, let us know what it is. Mm. So, Kathy, I, I have a question for you about being such a thorough massage therapist yourself. Do you find it very difficult to find uh, another individual to work on you that you align with really well? Yes. And um, one of the big reasons is, and this is ridiculous, is if they do find out who I am, or if they say, how long have you been doing this? And I say 22 years. I have had therapists actually freak out and get so self-conscious and so embarrassed, they're afraid to work on me. Yeah. which is ridiculous for several reasons. One of which is I'm just about to give you money 
and you need to give me a good massage. <laughs> you know, I don't care who you think I am. Um, I do not find it at all intimidating to work on other massage therapists. In fact, I love working on other massage therapists because I know how bad we need it. Um, I have a couple massage therapists that have worked for me who have done great massage, of course. And there's a couple of people in town who I see. One gentleman I see as frequently as I can, not enough, get massage more often, everybody, including myself. Um, so it took me a while. It took me a while to find someone. Um, I find there's a lot, a lot of massage therapists and there's a lot of really bad massage therapists, unfortunately. Um, so shop around, see who you align with in that way and then go with that. Mm-hmm. And for those people, because again, there's so many, as you say, these little shopping mall massage I almost say massage parlors and <laughs> it almost seems that way. It's like, you know, $29, $39. And it's like, um, what would you say for individuals, you know, who are wanting a massage and they can't afford a therapist such as yourself. So they, they're attracted in places like that. What would be some pointers for them to look out for? Yeah, the open communication is going to be the most important. And I would say if if you have $30 and you want to go for a massage, rather than going to one of the discount places, I would actually think you would be better off going to one of the student clinics where at the very least it's supervised. Um, the therapist is still in school. They're being extra cognizant of what they're doing, hopefully, um, as opposed to getting thrust into a closed door room with someone who you have no idea what their experience is. The advantage of the student clinics is they're there with the supervisor. Um, so if something's not going right, or if there's a question, or if there is a problem, there's a trained instructor there helping them through that issue. So it might not be as relaxing and you might have an instructor popping in and out, but it's a, it's a good way to get a less expensive massage. The other thing you can do is, you know, I've had clients come to me. I had one who was dying of cancer. She was terminal. She, her body was riddled with tumors. She didn't have very much money. In fact, there were days she didn't have any money, but she was dying. And I'm not about to say, nope, nope, sorry, it's $90 an hour. You pay me or you can't see me. Um, I have worked with numerous clients who have a specific issue. Um, This isn't just someone that wants the massage but can't afford it. These were people who really seriously needed my services. And I have a you pay me what you can today policy for certain people. And I've had people who give me $20 and I've had people who give me $60. And I've had people tear up and say, I don't have any money today. I had to eat lunch. I'm going to work with them um, because I've been privileged throughout my life and my career to have people who were incredibly generous to me and who made me realize it's not about the bottom line of money. It's about giving people the care they need. And that's my philosophy. Not every therapist is going to do that for you. But you know what? It can't hurt to ask. Um, Or maybe they have a discount program. If you buy a certain number in advance, maybe they give you a a, a break on it. because I would rather have somebody come to me once a month at $90 than to go to a $30 place five or six times and still not get as good a care. Um, you know, you want to go for the quality as much as you can. And I, I understand it can be an expense, but I really encourage you to make sure you're safe and what you're, what you're paying for also. The last thing you want is to be hurt and then not be able to work again or something. Mm, thank you. That's wonderful. Have you ever uh, done massage with another therapist at the same time, two people working on one body? I have. I've only done that once. Um, But what I have had is I've had that done to me. That was my birthday gift one year. I brought in both the therapists that work for me, and I did an hour and a half four-handed massage. You would think I wouldn't have needed any more after that, but unfortunately I did. I was still tense in various areas. So basically I had three hours of massage, uh, which was fabulous. It was absolutely amazing. There's a couple tips for that. 
and this one you might not even think of, you want to make sure both therapists are sort of the same height because Ooh. people want tables at different heights. I have my table at the highest setting. So if I'm working with a therapist, I'm very tall, but if I'm working with a therapist who's four, you know, who's five, two and wants her table at the lowest level for her comfort, you're going to have a little discrepancy there. So it could be kind of hard to coordinate that. And you want to make sure, you know, you're not working on different pressure levels and it can actually be incredibly distracting if they're really not in sync. Uh, but it is, it is quite the luxury. If you can, if you can find a forehanded massage, it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think on that note, uh, I would like to say that we are completely grateful to our very special guest, Dr. Kathy Groover for sharing her wisdom and expertise again with us. Uh, and again, I, uh, suggest to everybody to also listen to episode 58. If you like this, you will certainly like that also. I also want to thank my healers and my teachers for taking me on my journey and allowing me to uh, do what I do. Thank you, Christina, and to the Yoga Hub uh, cast to make this uh, such a great project. I look forward to getting together with all of you next week as we search another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy. And until that time, Thank you so much, Kathy, and I wish everyone optimal health. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kathy, for honoring us again. It's uh, always a fun ride. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much. <laughs> and thank you, Dr. Woolman, for taking us, for piloting this ride. <laughs> And of course, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us on this new platform of education and information. We're always grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing from your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. And may I remind you that you can connect with Dr. Glenn Woolman by following him on Twitter at Glenn Woolman, and of course, through his own website, glennwoolman.com, where I really encourage you to learn about his metaphor, square breath. We're always grateful for any feedback that you might have. Um, we have a number now for you to call in for your comments and questions and suggestions. It is 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Until next time, namaste. Namaste.